Welcome to the Actors Wish podcast. My name is Sarah Hayward Rahimova, and I am an international actress, writer, and teacher. Today, let me be your scene partner. Let this podcast be your laboratory. And in this space, let your wish run free. I know you're ready to peel your layers, take risks, and open yourself to new levels of artistic discovery. Consider this your weekly dose of inspiration, technique, and community where actors support one another. Together, we can explore our wishes beyond the classroom, beyond the audition room, beyond the stage and the screen, and cultivate a rich, vibrant, ongoing creative life. Let's turn down our brains, trust our bodies, activate our inner resources, and find joy in the process. Together, let's take the leap from actor to artist. Hello, 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 creative rebels, actors, artists. Welcome to today's episode. (gasps) Wow, there is much magic in store for you today, particularly if you are wanting to, number one, create your own work, number two, don't know where to start, and number three, if you're unsure you can... You're up to the task just on your own. Perhaps you're craving some creative collaboration. This episode is definitely for you, for all of us, because we're all a work in progress. So before I dive into introducing you to Avi and Jeff, I just want to make a little side note. I was realizing as I was listening to and editing the podcast I was not fully aware of wonderful folks in our community who perhaps don't have the ability or privilege of auditory senses. I was thinking about this because it's a radio play we get into today and all the fun about audio performances. And then I was thinking, well, what if someone doesn't have the privilege to access that? And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is a podcast and perhaps people cannot who want to. And I want actor to artist be an inclusive, accepting, accessible community for one and all. It is an ensemble for every artist that wants to grow, for every creative that wants to expand, for every any actor, artist, creative that wants to connect and collaborate and make some magic together. So as actor to artist grows and expands, that is my intention to make it as accessible as possible to every sense, every sensory expression, every human being in every way. And I know I have a lot of visual stuff going on on Instagram and I want to reactivate my YouTube channel and I have a gorgeous email ensemble with our Magic If Monday a uh, love letter, essentially. It's super fun. So if you're not already in it, I certainly welcome you to. The link is in the show notes and you get a special free energy exercise. It's so fun as a welcome gift. And so I just want to keep that in mind. If anyone has any ideas or has 
ever been in contact with different iterations of how a podcast can expand to different forms, uh, reach out and let me know because I want to make this as inclusive and accepting as possible and accept as accessible. I have so many ux, ux, ux. <laughs> accepting, accessible. Okay, I need one word for the alliteration, but <sighs> thank you for that detour. Now back on track to this incredible episode, create your own work. All right, let me introduce you to Avi and Jeff. So Avital Isulin is a Brooklyn-based director, choreographer, performer, and educator. She holds an MA in comparative history and BAs in theater and history from Brandeis University. She is the founder and director of New York Theatre Barnes Choreography Lab and the artistic director of Combustion Collective. She has taught at Broadway Dance Center, Alvin Ailey's Professional Division, Mark Morris Dance Center, I've taken her tap class, do go check out all her amazing classes, and currently leads the tap program at Brooklyn Center Stage. Recent choreography credits include productions of Legally Blonde, The Music Man, Shrek, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and Thoroughly Modern Millie. As a performer, highlights include Miss Shields in the national tour of A Christmas Story, Anytime Annie in 42nd Street, Sheila in A Chorus Line, and the off-Broadway revival of the Lost Marx Brothers musical I'll Say She Is. Asuline had the pleasure of observing Randy Skinner on the Encores production of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and also served as associate choreographer to Lauren Lataro on the off-Broadway production of Jasper in Deadland. She is the co-creator of the immersive dance piece Ephemera, the cabaret-style show Tonight for the Tapir, which is what we're getting into today, and The Floor Show, a new play with dance and music. And our next lovely guest, Jeff. Jeff Robb is a New York City-based theater artist. He and Avi wrote Tonight for the Tapir together during 2020. Performing credits include professional productions all over the country in everything from musical theater to Shakespeare festivals. He is also a musician, an educational theater teaching artist, and a professional origami artist teacher. He is a graduate of GWU's Academy of Classical Acting, NYU Steinhardt, and the Del Arte School of Physical Theater. Oh, we go into it today. It is a deep dive, so I encourage you to buckle up, grab your favorite springtime, afternoon, morning, nighttime beverage, <laughs> whatever. Usually it's tea for me <laughs> at all those times. And pull up a chair. Open open yourself and your resources to the possibility of you making your own work and supporting your partners in the process. Let's do this. And before we dive in, I just want to give you a little speech for the stage because we ran out of time. We had such a good time chatting. An hour flew by. So because we are discussing tonight, their new show, their new show, Tonight for the Tapir, I finally learned how to pronounce tapir. <laughs> it's great. I want to do ta-ta. So we have our vowels, A-E-I-O-U, and we'll do T, ta-ta-ta, or three T's rather. All right, vinimanya, attention naturally begin 
Tay ti tai to tu. Tay tay ti ti tai tai to to tu tu. Tay 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 ti 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 tai 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 to 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 tu tu tu. Ooh. So you'll be leaving this episode with lots of ta 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 tas on your tongue, and we hope you'll continue to play with them. Please, please, please reach out to myself and Avi and Jeff after you've listened and digested the material. I'm sure so many moments of gorgeous inspiration will spark inside you. We are so excited to hear how it resonates, how it moves you. We are so excited to connect, so be sure to take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on Instagram, Avi on Instagram, Jeff on Instagram. I'll have all those in the show notes. Tag us in your stories and let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're planning to create because we want to be in the collaboration with you. So without further ado, let us raise the curtains on this marvelous episode with Avi and Jeff. Vinimanya, attention, machili, begin. Enjoy. Welcome, Avi and Jeff, to the Actors Wish podcast. Thank you for being here. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yay. We're so excited to be here. I'm equally thrilled. This is our first two person, so three person dialogue. This is very, you've, we've reached a new level. <laughs> yes, expansion, constant expansion. Exactly. Love. Exactly. And now we're going to all balance out who's speaking when, especially on Zoom, but we're going to figure it out. It is. It's improv in the wild. So because I know Avi from your fabulous pedagogy and dance pedagogy, but I am just learning Jeff right now beyond a few wonderful emails. Would you both please introduce yourselves, where you are in the stage of your creative life, what brought you here, and how we are, you know, sharing this wonderful moment together? Sure, of course. I'll just jump right in since I guess we're, you know, we'll take turns in the wild with our improv live (laughs) three-person thing. Uh, So I'm Avi. Uh, My full name is Avital Asulin. And I bill myself these days as a director, choreographer, teaching artist, and producer, although I do still do some performing. Um, At this point in my career, I spend a lot of time teaching, um, particularly at this COVID uh, point in time, like the last year and a half. Um, I also produce an event called the Choreography Lab that I've been producing for the past eight years. And that has grown from being a small event that no one knew about that happened um, in a dance studio that, you know, just kind of happened to now being a very big event that almost everyone knows about. So it's been an interesting journey to kind of go from having something small to having something that um, is now kind of uh, more present, like in the greater arts community. So that's kind of where I am at the present moment. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm, I'll have that linked in the show notes or the specificity of it all put in so everyone can go check it out. Cool. Um, so, so my name is Jeff Robb. I am... I I don't know. I, I'm a I'm a lot of things. I'll I'll call you myself. You are a lot I, of things. You both I'm are. I'm a lot of 
I'll call myself an actor creator. I have at various times been an a, a performer. I've been I've been a writer. I've been a musician. I've been a composer, a director, a theater teaching artist, a lot of different types of things. Uh, my background is I began uh, my undergraduate training was musical theater at NYU, focused sort of a music um, in more as a, a vocal performance major at the Steinhardt School. And then I was in musical theater land for a little while. And then it became clear to me that my sort of niche was going to be in uh, comic roles. So I decided I need to go learn clowning and went to the Delarte School of Physical Theater and spent a, and trained for a year there and completely changed my life and my perspective on the theater in all of the best and all of the worst ways. Um, it, it really, it is, it was a beautiful, incredible experience. Um, and so, uh, and so I did that, and then a few years later, uh, I was getting cast in a lot of Shakespeare plays, and so I decided to go get my graduate degree in classical acting, which I completed that at the Academy of Classical Acting, which is affiliated with George Washington University and Shakespeare Theater of D.C. Mm. Um, and so I, f I completed that training at the end of 2019, which was all, and then of course COVID hit. So I don't know what, so right now, I don't know what I am. Um, <laughs> I'm right now, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, you know, I have a lot of feathers in the cap, but uh, you know, we'll see. But I, you know, a lot of it's, and it's also come through in, you know, I have 10 years of theater education experience and quite, you know, I've musical, you know, uh, I'm a proficient musician as well and have gotten to do some musical directing and composing, so, and I guess the final thing I'll tout is that um, one of my major side pro uh, side jobs along for a number of years has been as a professional origami teacher and artist. So that's that is so, so cool. That's, that's actually the bulk of what I'm doing right now is working for uh, working for Tara's Origami Studio, which used to have a place in Brooklyn, New York, but now we're entirely virtual. So, oh, wow. That's where I am right now. Gosh, I feel like I can come at this conversation from so many angles because you guys have such prolific resumes, credits, baggage, experiences, nuances baggage. to mostly your creativity. Baggage. Mostly, mostly baggage. baggage. <laughs> mostly ba it's mostly baggage. I mean, I think, you know, what's, what's interesting and what I thought was interesting like about uh, talking about art making and what Jeff and I I think were interested in is is this thing that that the two of us do do so many things and wear so many hats and often wind up billing ourselves in different ways at different times and so you know he and I have known each other for many years now but we just collaborated on this project together and this piece that we wrote and performed which you know we will we will talk much more about um really does i think like involve a lot of our many hats and sort of allowed mm. us to be everything and nothing all at once in a way that felt really freeing mm -hmm. um which was really sort of sort of great at least that's kind of how it it felt for me spiritually i, I don't know i can't really speak for jeff <laughs> well i think no i agree i think that um 
as we're, you know, in wearing so many different hats, I think we're, you know, one of the things in the world is how much of a need people sometimes have to, to be able to identify and mm -hmm. to categorize. And so we get caught in, oh, that's a dance person, that's a theater, mm -hmm. that's an actor, that's a musician, that's a this or that or the other. Um, and so sometimes if you are somebody with a lot of different passions, then it can, it can be very frustrating because you want people to look at you for all of the myriad of things you do. And you, mm -hmm. you're just like, I'm an artist. It's all, they're all branches off of one tree. And so yes. I think with, with Tonight for the Tapir, it was really a chance for, you know, one of the nice things about it was, it was there was nothing to it except a pure sense of play. And it was oh, an opportunity for Avi and I to be like, look, we don't, we're not trying to label ourselves as anything. We're just doing what's fun for us. And that more than more than anything, it, you know, the you know, the product is what, you know, the uh, outcome is whatever the outcome is. But for us to be in a room together and just being like just trading ideas and just enjoying our own creativity. Is oh, marvelous. Let us into this play. That is the ultimate wish, right? <laughs> Let us. I, we would love to hear about it. Your your process leading up to it, the seed of the wish, how it came about how you began to work on it, and then your relationship with the piece and each other in COVID. We are hungry for details. <laughs> oh, sure. Let's see. So we we kind of had this idea kicking around for like a number of years, and actually COVID was kind to us. So maybe I'll start, I'll give us like a little pre-COVID, and then I'll let Jeff kind of piggyback onto it. Um, so Jeff and I met in 2016, I think, was when yep, we, that's right. 2016. Uh, we met doing a production of Gypsy for a like high school theater conservatory program up in Westchester. Uh, wait, it's uh, the White oh Plains my. Performing Arts Center. Thank you, Jeff. White You're Plains welcome. Performing Arts Center. Yes, uh, so I, I, yeah, you go. Oh, I was just no many dear, dear many dear friends there. Shout out to to Ariana Moses, who is uh, I think in Cincinnati now, and Jeremy Quinn and Stephen Ferry and all the fabulous and Catherine Kroll, our musical director. So lots of people we love involved with that company. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, um, and so we met working on that project, and we became fast friends and had a, a lovely time doing that show together, but we realized uh, it would be fun to make something basically based off of just some shared sensibilities and love mm -hmm. of some obscure cultural references. And we thought it would be fun to do some sort of like cabaret show or, you know, neo-vaudeville type of show. Um, and, and we bandied this about for a while, but then Jeff went back to school and... Uh, I got kind of busy and it, you know, we weren't really like living in the same place. We were like, well, we're not going to like make a show. Um, and so it was something that for several years just kind of sat in a Google Drive folder and was a vague outline of some possibilities. Um, and then COVID hit. And, these yeah. days. <laughs> and, then, and then COVID hit and we were, you know, we, I don't even remember how, I mean, we just, I don't remember if we were just like, we should catch up on Zoom and if it came out of a 
chatting over, uh, you know, a coffee date over Zoom, or if we, I can't remember how directly we we decided to do this project. Huh? Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know either. That's the thing. I mean, but that's the thing about all create, about most creative projects is that you look back on it and it's like, Jesus, I don't know where that idea came from. You know, unless you're re, I mean, maybe you document it, but like a lot of it's just like, you know, you ask somebody where an idea for a, a line of a script came from. You're like, I don't know. It just happened somewhere in the process and it's stuck. Exactly. Um, or it came in from many angles and one day it kind of just hit. You're like, oh, wait, yeah, this just either came to me or I've been thinking about it for two years. And it just ab- makes sense. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, we so we just decided we were going to um, we just decided this was this might be a good time to start moving toward to start working on something, and with COVID, with with that opportunity, you know, the world stopped for you know certainly when it first was starting, you know, about a year ago, and there was just a lo- there was space, there was a lot of sp- that you know fortunately for. Avi and I, there was a lot of space in our lives and we were able to, we basically said, okay, let's, you know, let's just make it a thing and we're going to show up every week. And we just decided we were going to have kind of a weekly, you know, weekly chat and we were going to make a time. So it was, uh, what was it? Nine, basically nine to 1030. I don't remember if we initially did two days, but we just said 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're going to meet over Zoom, and we're just going to make this show happen. Wow. Yeah, and we, we sort of just plugged away at it 9 to 10.30, two days a week, and then all of a yeah. sudden we were writing and writing, and then we had a four-episode thing. Um, and so... Uh, that's kind of how it it developed over the course of the i guess spring and summer of 2020 we Mm -hmm. had initially thought that perhaps we would record it as a zoom show and then we decided at some point in the fall that perhaps just recording the audio of it and seeing what it would be like for us to perform it as a radio play or as sort of a draft of the script recorded podcast style would be our best bet in terms of just developing the show, hearing the script out loud, um, essentially replacing the workshop model, right? Because, I mean, we wrote this show. It's never been performed for anyone, and we wanted to hear it out loud. And so instead of um, trying to kind of go through it live, which would have had many issues with us not being in the same places and all of, you know, the issues with making live theater right now, um, we thought that kind of just building out uh, a Um, like minimum viable product draft of the show would be a great way for us to see what the show is all about um and that's what currently exists at the moment we have uh, a four recording series of the show uh available on soundcloud it is most definitely still a work in progress um yes and we yeah yes yes we will emphasize that um but we are hoping to do the show live at some point, uh, as I believe it would be lots of fun to watch while holding a beverage and listening to us in a little club or something. <laughs> oh wow! Every I want everyone to pull up with a with a, a kid friendly beverage right now. It's daytime still, so 
<laughs> juice, maybe just some juice. Yeah. Uh, juice is fine. Yeah, juice is juice fine. Is I've got I've got tea right now. Oh, yeah. lovely! I, I have, have some herbs. I'm drinking thing. some herbs. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So, what was it like building this piece? without being in personal contact because there's a certain energy that exists when like zoom is what i'm thankful we have it of course energy can be transmitted transmuted through it we're we're all energy but there's something very special about having that person-to-person -person contact you feel the breath you feel their body shifting in a different way you feel the air moving so how was it building this virtually? It was all done virtual, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that just must have required such different patience and tools and awareness from both of you. Well, I think that a lot of it was the, you know, Avi and I had a, like I said, we sort of have similar, there were similar sensibilities and similar things that amused us that were what we wanted to, that it was a way to sort of activate our shared sense of play. And, um, you know, I mean, what we did is we, you know, we had a Google, we had a Google doc, we had, we, and we mm -hmm. simultaneously worked on the same Google doc. Um, and you know, what would happen every so often is you could feel when one of us would sort of get the idea would, you know, mm -hmm. one of us would, the, the spark would hit. And my, mm -hmm. my line was always, okay, you've got the ball run with it. And so, you know, running back towards the ball, and they just go toward the end zone. And whereas then... I would just say, "I'm tired, take it." <laughs> or so, or I would say, "Shut up, Avi, I got this. I'm going. I give you the ball. I'm running." And so there's, um, I think one of the things that's particularly freeing about working in collaboration in any collaboration is that the onus is not on you to provide. To, to generate everything that it really that you are inspired by the other person somebody says something that unlocks something and you get and then you just start moving and so and I, I also think that part of the creative process is working with people who understand give and take and what working with mm -hmm. people who are you know who one trust you and two really are um, you know open to you know, open to re to receiving. I yeah, I, I love all of that. I mean, yeah, it's very true. I mean, I, I have now written three full length projects, but all co. So I have, I, I do not write on my own. I'm sure if someone really said, Avi, you must write on your own. Um, I'm sure I, I could, um, but that's actually not, particularly enjoyable to me um it, it's very much what jeff says where um there is this pro process where you are in collaboration and the creative process feels a lot more like being in a studio as an actor or as a choreographer or director or whatnot where when you're devising a script even if the script devising particularly over zoom i mean i think this project will have more of a physical life and will have some 
aspects to it that will certainly change and will certainly need to be uh, reshifted and kind of renegotiated uh, were we to take it from being, you know, simply audio to being on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in this, you know, creating space where we essentially were building a script that would be performed as an audio play, we were able to really, I think, yeah, feel that sense of collaboration. Um between you know just in in the ways in which we were right i mean we very much you know we just sort of jumped into the google doc together and you know somebody would write something and be like wait i can make it better or i can you know oh i see what you're trying to do here and like it was very much um a process of just you know scaffolding ideas one on top of the other oh wow and i think it it does help too that you have that firm foundation of a friendship that that a lot's way more not just flow, I think, but what you were speaking about with trust and safety to really take those risks. Like that is so, so important to, to know and trust your partner. And I'm so fascinated uh, because I know that in, at least I believe so, in Europe particularly, I have a friend who is a, a, a playwright in Switzerland. She has quite a few radio plays. And so I feel like it's more common. I I just don't hear about it as much in the States. Maybe I'm not as aware of it, but I just love the idea because you're writing this play, but it's in the formula of a podcast or audio book or audio form. So you have this incredible dramatic material, this theatrical material that an audience member gets to experience through their earbuds. So there's something about their imagination that can just go wild that that is not always allowed in a theatrical space because you have it presented visually kinesthetically all this stuff but there's something really cool about having just the audio access yeah Did you consider I think... oh yeah sorry go 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 oh no i was gonna say no i was gonna say, um it's one of the things i particularly love about about shakes about working on shakespeare and other classical poetic text where and not that there isn't a beautiful physical life to those things but it's really interesting when you really are just with the words and the amount of the, the allowance it gives for the audience to create with you. You know, mm-hmm. you the audience gets to see, you know, the audience gets to visualize said characters in whatever way they happen to see them. It's kind of like, I remember when I read The Hunger Games for the first, I remember I read The Hunger Games, I was doing a, I was literally, I was doing a production of Pirates of Penzance and I was like holed up in this, you know, our, our it was in a fairly uh, small town, not much to do. And so I was basically holed up in this room and one of the things I happened to do while on contract was reading these series. And then when I finally saw the movies, I just remember thinking, as wonderful as Jennifer Lawrence was, I just remember thinking, that's not what Katniss looks like. That, that's, that's not what she looks like, no, that's wrong. Um, and it, you know, it's a reminder that, you know, that it's the power, you know, there's a beautiful thing that activates our visual imagination. That's yeah. so interesting. There are some yeah. people who could listen to us as Jeff and Avi and, um, then see us and be like, oh, that's not right at all. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. I found that too. <laughs> which is like totally where my head just went. Um, 
Yeah, there is something fascinating about making something orally. Both it, it's fascinating, but it's also, I think, presents a, a huge challenge because there's something about, you know, visual language and kinesthetic uh, storytelling and the transmission of like style and tone that I think people really pick up on um, through their visual senses and sort of understand. Um, I think they sort of start to understand subconsciously when you show up for something and you see scenic design that looks a certain, you know, almost like cartoonish way and that keys something off subconsciously for people or they see something Mm. that, you know, already like is dark and shadowy, right? It's like all of these like visual cues. Um, And of course, you know, people who who see lots of theater or see or make theater or see theater in a very intentional way, obviously like understand you know the the people behind the curtain manipulating all of these things but i think all the other people who also aren't thinking about this right just show up to a space um and are primed right you walk into a theater space and before anything begins you're primed by uh what the intention of the pre-show is and what the intention of all of these things are um and i think it's it's very different to pick up a piece of material and um simply put it into your ear and go this um is actually something i've been thinking about a lot um some people in my extended network recently made a show that um was incredibly successful they produced a a virtual production and i thought it was incredible um it was a show that i had seen before and that my husband hadn't and there were some notes in the program but the program was a digital program and he hadn't seen it and then i showed it to him midway and he was like oh i wish i had seen this program and it's very interesting because you know as a a theater goer you walk into the theater you look at your program, you open it up before things start, you kind of absorb the information that you're supposed to absorb, but there isn't really um, a protocol for engaging with digital production, whether you're talking about digital production that's just audio or digital production that just sort of arrives to you. So it's very interesting, like that priming process. This is something I've actually um, been thinking about a lot lately, like how how do we engage with art? How do we engage with art, both in terms of the product itself, but in terms of what our expectations are and how the creatives set those expectations? Um, I know I understand what tonight for the tape here is. I know Jeff understands what tonight for the tape here is, but I think... More or less. More or less. <laughs> but I think our our audience would understand the show more in person showing up to the venue than they quite understood the audio play just receiving a link to the audio email and that's something that i've been thinking about quite a lot Mm, that's i totally that totally resonates with me an idea just came that like maybe you can offer some listening suggestions like what to wear or what music to play beforehand or like a scent of i don't know perfume or just something to evoke that atmosphere because you're you're precisely right that offers an introduction bit by bit into the atmosphere into the world and that's oh that's so fascinating to find a new way of going about that oh this is so cool Hmm. But I, yeah, and I, I also, 
it's also interesting, you know, you think about like general story structure and I mean, it, it, most of it boils down to establish the, you know, you start by establishing the world and then you set the world off balance. Characters have to struggle to try to rebalance the world. They come to some epiphany or climactic discovery, catharsis, and then the world is rebalanced, but slightly different than before. And so I think part of the fun of it is that set is setting up the is that first piece of it, which is setting up the rules of the world. Um, to go back to Shakespeare land, go you know look at Twelfth Night. You know it starts with you know the very first thing is if music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that in surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die. You get he oh you right away establish this what the world of this play is, and then in the next scene. What country friends is this? This is Illyria, lady. What what should I do in Illyria? My brother, he is in Elysium. Like, you, you know, it's we're not at the point where we're throwing the world off balance. First, we got to set up. We're setting up the rules of the world. Once we say we're in Illyria, Illyria can be anything, and we are def and we are beginning to establish the rules of the world in that first piece of the play, and then once we once you've set up the world, once you've you know, it's like playing a board game. Once you you open up the box, mm. you set up the set up the board game, and then you read the rules to figure out, okay, how does this world work? Okay, I can do that. I can do that. If I roll the dice, I can make this move, and then then you actually go, okay, let's roll the dice and get this roll and get this started. So I think that it's really interesting what you can do with language to set. How can you linguistically set up the world and mm. Um, when you, and I think it's, it's something I think sometimes gets taken for granted, you know, so for example, if you're doing, um, you know, there's certain shows where if it is sent in a, if it's set in a contemporary context, then the audience comes in with this sort of shared knowledge. But if you look at for, you know, I'm thinking about some of the great musical theater opening numbers, tradition from Fiddler. We dance from Island, the opening sequence of Ragtime, and the the pains those numbers take to establish the rules of the world so that the audience it, um, is let in. Mm. Absolutely, I think too. There's like in some ways it can be limited in an audio format, but there's also great freedom in structure. So it has this kind of dualistic sense of well, we can't do that, but we can do this. <laughs> so I'm curious uh, what you would recommend to younger, not saying that you're older, I'm just saying. Like, uh, I feel older sometimes. I'm older too. I mean, just younger as in like more fresh in kind of the industry. That's what I mean by younger, not age relevant. Mm -hmm. We can be 50 sure. and new to the industry, 60. <laughs> I'm not, there's no ageism here. There's no anyism except happyism. That's it. Creativism. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is, could not agree more. And that's, that's an, that's an important thing to remember is that age is, we get, we get really sucked irrelevant. into thinking, oh, it's, yeah. there is no age yeah. to, there is no age to start activating where you can't begin to activate your creativity. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. I know some people in their 50s and 60s who are very engaged in continuing to build their creative uh, 
I don't know, spark and creative energy. And then, you know, I know some other people who just are like, oh, I'm, I'm done. And you're like, oh, you're at the same age in body. Yeah. But you're not. <laughs> you are very different people operating in the universe. So, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to make... Oh, sorry, Jeff. I cut, I... Oh, I was just going to ask you to. I was just going to ask to um, if you could repeat the questions so I could give you a uh, to to address it. Yes, I was thinking what you might recommend to folks who perhaps have been weighing a project or thinking about a project, and perhaps just three or two or four nuggets of wisdom you could offer them to get down and get going and get working and to know, know that it's a work in progress, but that's what we're here to do. It's always a work in progress. We're a work in progress. So perhaps some welcoming tips into the process. <laughs> sure. Um, well, what, I mean, one is set, uh, you know, set the time, you know, give yourself a time when you're going to show up to the work and don't feel like you have to come in and, oh, I'm going to work a half hour a day. I'm, I'm going to work a half hour every day. If you if that happens to work for you, great. But, you know, it's a little like going into the gym and like deciding I'm going to lift 200 pounds of a bar. You know, I'm going to lift some crazy amount. I'm going to chest press a crazy amount of weight instantaneously. But, you know, what, you know, if it can be once a week for 20 minutes and you just carve out you just commit to that little piece of time and say, this is the time I'm going to set a timer and I'm just going to free write and whatever happens with this, and whatever happens with, with this idea, you know, you just start one, get, getting the juices flowing without um, create the space that is not judgmental and two, get in the habit of showing up to that creative space. Um, it's more, I, I personally think it's more important to build the practice of showing up to the space than it is to be massively productive in spurts because building the habit is the really yes. big, big thing. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge thing. It's the thing. <laughs> it is the, it is the thing, you know, the, the, the creativity. It's, it really is like a muscle. And you, yeah, if you, you if you show up, I mean, it really it also doesn't matter if, you know, 75 percent of what you make is sort of dreg because then you still have the 25 percent if you're showing up consistently and you're doing the work. Um, I'd also say, too, I mean, what's been tremendously helpful for me throughout my whole artistic development has been setting concrete deadlines that are not of my own volition um whether that is better at this part than i am <laughs> but and it's knowing where your strengths lie too <laughs> yes and finding people finding people who compliment you in that way is massively important yeah. absolutely Ab absolutely um just no jeff is um is 100 percent on the money there because if you uh i i don't think some of these massive projects can really happen just on their own. And again, um, I know that obviously people write plays from start to finish on their own, that that's something that people do accomplish as a solo activity. But for me, the, the generative process of working with others has been so rewarding that it's, um, 
it's it's just a slightly different beast um but mm-hmm. one that i think um more people might enjoy um i think a lot of people sometimes sit down to write and they're like oh i'm not a writer but it may be that you might be a writerly creative person but you might just not want to do it all by your lonesome um so i've i've throughout my my time working have submitted to small festivals little things that i i wouldn't necessarily invite people to or or anything uh, particularly as a choreographer starting out um but even now as somebody who does a little bit more self-producing um uh, I, I would put things in small festivals, you know, you get accepted to a small festival and you're like, okay, I'm presenting a piece of choreography on November 15th. And on November 15th, you are presenting a piece of choreography. Um, and so once I think you have that looming, right, for better or for worse, then you are going to make something. And that was something that I kind of, uh, again, for better or for worse, kind of pressed to Jeff. I was like, we're going to tell people that this show is coming out i'm gonna send an email to the 600 people who get my email list um and they're going to expect a show um on such and such dates and we're going to send it then because i don't want to disappoint my email list which again i mean like is not necessarily the highest stake in the world but for me it stakes enough i like to be held accountable to the the structures and the standards that I set. And so if I send an email saying, you're going to get a new audio play in your inbox, then by hook or by crook, it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. And it may be, and you know, for those, you know, for artists who do, who do prefer to create alone. And sometimes like, sometimes I'm like that too. Like, like when I compose, like I would prefer, like lock me in a room and, you know, I receive the information I need from the powers that be, but then I'll lock myself away in a room and, and wreak havoc on whatever room I'm in and the instruments and bang my head against walls and all of that. Um, believe me, I have literally done all of that. Um, but finding, you know, if you are somebody who works alone, creatively, finding a collaborator who maybe has you know, has different strengths, different passions that maybe, you know, finding somebody who is an aspiring producer who's excited about, who get, who is excited about that aspect of it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there's some, you know, there might be somebody who has like a marketing background who really loves the theater. And they may, they may not have a desire to write a play, but they may be very curious to be like, oh, you, you're writing this play. Oh, what, how can I, you know, get idea. You know, how can I put this out in the world? That's exciting to that person, and so that you have a, you know, you you have a second party. You know, creativity. Always, you know, by definition, is um, there are always multiple pieces of creativity. So it's it's never just originating from you. It's not all. It's not like uh, you know Athena who you know, spurts out of Zeus's head, fully formed and all of that. It's, there's, even if it's you writing on a subject, there's you and there's the subject and the curiosity and the creativity, curiosity comes in how that subject is filtered through your creativity or through your perspective and what is the thing that forms in the space between. So when it comes to working with other people, having 
you know, having some other sort of sounding board, something to bounce off against in whatever capacity that may be. And a lot of that, I think, finding the right collaborator is about some finding whose passions complement and complement, challenge, uh, ignite whatever it is to spark your own. Mm. Now I have to say something in response to that because it's inspired me to say more. Um, I it, think works, it works. It works. It works. It works. <laughs> the process <It> works. <laughs> I think that you shouldn't be afraid to meet the collaborators who appear on your path where they are and create what happens based on those inspirations. Because I think that, again, limitation is creation, right? And sometimes I think we get very obsessed with form. Oh, I am mm -hmm. someone who makes musicals. Ergo, I need to choreograph a musical, right? I mean, I would say I am historically I would say I have associated with the title of choreographer the most and I would say most of my professional jobs have been as choreographer um, and those choreography jobs have primarily been of traditional musicals but I met a fellow working on a show several years back and he was a composer and he said well you know what why don't we just make something as a composer and as a choreographer? And we made an immersive dance piece that was set in a bar. It was about 45 minutes long. It was completely danced through. There was live music. It was lovely. It was great. It was a piece of dance theater that was not a musical, but it was incredibly inspiring. It was incredibly um, fulfilling creatively. And he was an absolutely wonderful collaborator for uh, that project and for that time in my life. And I think sometimes we become so fixated on saying, oh, I need to be acting in a certain industry. I have to be doing this certain type of show or on this certain contract level, or it needs to be this kind of you know musical or this kind of play. Um, but again, Sometimes it's about showing up to the thing that's right in front of you and realizing that that thing is actually your thing, right? And it's the thing that will make you special instead of trying to sort of like shoehorn yourself into something else. And maybe that thing will be strange, like tonight for the tape here. And you know what I realized? We, we haven't told our audience what a tape here is. <laughs> I was going to ask, but I was afraid of pronouncing it. I was like, how can I say that? I was practicing it before and I was like, taper, tapier, taper, tape. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think there's a number of pronunciations. We've been saying tapier, but I think there are different pronunciations. Um, I, oh, so what is a tapier? A tapier is a, uh, it is a, it's a mammal. It's kind of like half, it's kind of like a cross between a pig and a rhino. And it lives, uh, there are, species in Asia, species in South America. It's a sort of semi-aquatic creature. And it's- Ooh, uh, semi-aquatic. That's uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, if you ever, you know, you, you, uh, the Malayan tapir is kind of the sort of famous one that's like black and white. It's got like a black head, like a white rear end. Um, and they're, in you know, they're endangered in the, 
you know, the four species or five, depending how you look at it, are. No. <laughs> we had a long discussion about, do we mention the fifth debatable species? <laughs> what scientists aren't, you know, they seem to think it episodes? is. No, four although, species, yeah. Four episodes? Not that. four species, four variants of a... No. Fifth. So you that. need a fifth episode now? <laughs> yeah, we've been debating writing the fifth episode. <laughs> no, um, we um, essentially, I mean, if you, the the nutshell of, or the, you know, the, the inciting incident, I suppose, of the piece is that Jeff and Avi, ourselves, play ourselves. And we are brother and sister, which we are not in real life, but in our fictitious world, we are always brother and sister. Um, <laughs> we have we have now written another spin-off um, that is still very nascent. We're working uh, on another spin-off. <laughs> we're working on a spin-off. Uh, however, um, Avi and Jeff, the brother and sister, had a falling out, and we are brought back together to host the Tonight for the Tapir fundraiser, which is a telethon to raise money for tapirs. And so each of the four episodes actually covers an hour of the telethon. Um, and will we or won't we raise, what, what are we raising, $50 million, $100 million? I don't remember right now. <laughs> I don't remember oh the monetary God. number. We're raising a large amount of money for the tapirs, and only two stars of our caliber are able to uh, perhaps raise that kind of money for the tapirs. So yeah. that's the whole thing. Oh is, my gosh! It's, it's all so done great. in a like a Jerry Lewis style telethon, and we actually got you know we have a couple other you know we brought in a couple friends of ours to read a couple other roles we created. We also got a few friends of ours to contribute little guest spot sections. And so each episode has a sort of guest star who independently produced their little snippet and sent it in for us to, oh my gosh. For us to incorporate. This is, so This is so brilliant. I am so where can where can our community, our listeners find this right now? <laughs> Yeah, right right now you could go to the Combustion Collective website. Combustion Collective is the production company that uh produced tonight for the tape here. That is um it's it's my shell company that produces my projects. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so you can go to combustioncollective.org and click on Tonight for the Tape here and those episodes are right there. Awesome. And what a name, eh? Combustion Collective. I love it. I love it. And tonight for the tape year. Tape year. I'll say that now. I was I was calling it a tape per tape. Anyways, I won't get into that. I think yeah, I, I think pronunciation. Tape, yeah, I've heard taper. That's a yeah. It's, uh, it's acceptable. Mm-hmm. We, accept, <laughs> we accept we accept all pronunciations of the word. After spending this long with tape years, I'm happy to know that <laughs> It all works. It all works. So before we wrap up, I have some questions for both of you. And I wish we could ask the tapir as well, but we will accept them in spirit. <laughs> or you could share your favorite tapir too. And then we can all go look it up and learn about endangered tapirs and to see what, how we can help them along. All right. So the first question I have for you is in relation to the actor's wish, which 
can also be the actor's goal or target or want or desire. In the Russian method, we always got the wish or the want. And I always found that sparked something of the spirit in a different way. So I'm curious what the actor's wish or goal or desire means to you in life or in the creative process. I think I have something. Should I jump and then Jeff, you can, you can build, you can expound from there. Indeed. Um, <laughs> to me, the the actor's wish is to communicate in a way that sparks empathy and movement in another human being. I mean, it is always the wish that whether you're connecting to super. Uh, uh, dramatic material or comedic material. I think the wish is to move people and to make them feel something from your performance. Mm -hmm. So to me, I mean, I think the wish is to connect with others and to leave them feeling inspired or changed or, um, or, or, or moved in some way. Um, I, I think there's a, a deadliness to creating and not having the audience come away with you know feeling so that that's I think always the wish that they they come into the space and they they leave you know slightly changed that's lovely oh yes thank you for sharing you know I think it's uh it's funny I recently I I I don't always call it acting anymore. I now call it embodied storytelling. And I do that because Ooh, I think sometimes, sometimes there's sometimes the term acting comes with baggage, but there's really a beautiful thing about what it is to share stories and embody them. Mm. And I think one of the things that we, one of the things we, that is important about showing up to, to live theater is the energy created in the space and that we're all there to try to figure out what the heck we're doing, try to explore humanity, like what it is to be human. And so I think, I suppose I would say the actor's wish is to be in a space where we are, we can discover, where we can explore what it is to be human. Oh, that's and, so great. Oh, I can, yes. I, I mean, there's literally no, possible way to get anything wrong in a creative space but I just love what you both said and I think I I didn't preface it with I can also call it the artist's wish because I don't want it to limit it to the medium of just acting or theater in itself it could be the writer's wish the musician's wish the the dancer's wish so thank you for that Ooh, sit with that for a while uh the next question is what what's an obstacle you're currently overcoming Artistically or personally, or in any other way? <laughs> well, it's funny the age thing came up because there are things, that's one of my things, is fear that it's too late to mm. pursue, to really pursue certain things. And um, navigating my own, you know, how people perceive me and how that affects my own perception of myself and how I feel how I feel that I'm allowed or mm. how it is acceptable for me to put myself out in the world. 
and so that's a that is a that's been a very long time struggle and continues to be a struggle to to be the human that I want to be mm. that I know the what speaks to my own soul mm. rather than do what is rather than be what is useful to other people and allow them to define how I'm useful oh gosh yes I can very much relate to that I feel like if you're over like 18 you think you're too old in this <laughs> culture so I think that's something that I I, I know most people struggle with to some degree and it really creates a lot of tension not just for us artistically but as humans because we we have to be aware of how we're perceived that's we have to be aware where we can fit in but at the same time we simply can't fit in you cannot contain a creative being in a box it's just not possible but it's also the rules of the industry as well so I that is yeah, yeah I feel that <laughs> yeah I'm I'm struggling with well, I'm struggling with a few things right now but I'll share one area um, I would say that you know what the flow of energy has transmuted to during COVID has been really hard I felt like there were a lot of ways in which energy and momentum and my I like to think of one's own sort of creative network as like a little cloud and if your cloud gets like fluffy enough you sort of just like float on your little cloud and like then people email you and send you opportunities and you you know go back to theaters you've worked at and you know and your little cloud just sort of floats by and you start to feel like you are really supported and lifted um, and I feel like um, the the events of the last year and change with the pandemic and whatnot and people moving and moving on and moving to new positions or changing where, uh, you know, no longer even working in the arts, sort of saying like, you know, maybe it's time for me to change here. I feel like my own energy has really been stifled both in terms of what I can physically do because of course we're not really making shows at the moment um, but then also I feel like my little fluffy cloud has been quite disrupted and that it might not be so buoyantly supporting me in the way that it was a year ago um, and I, I need those little cloud fluffs to come back somehow but you know they're they're quite ephemeral. They're cloud fluff. How do you yeah. pull cloud fluff out of the sky? Um, so, so this is one of my my struggles. Yeah. Wow, I love. Oh, I can feel the texture. <laughs> Where's the cloud fluff? <laughs> and it's. I think too. We we already have so much we're working against. There's mighty tides to kind of sift through each of us in different ways and when you have that momentum it's 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 very exciting it's years of of building up it's it's envisioning it's connecting it's cultivating and then <laughs> and i know that affords a different opportunity but at the same time you're like whoa <laughs> and it's i think it's important too to say that this is really challenging or this is a struggle because if we mute that then we're literally just muting ourselves so thank you both for sharing that so honestly because just as important it is to 
express our wins, I think we also have to hold space for the obstacle or just how we're feeling and not to like stick on it and be like, I'm committed to the struggle, but just to recognize it so we can move <laughs> through it. Right. We have to yeah. recognize it and feel it. Absolutely. Oh, I, I mean, so it's true. You know, there's, I mean, you know, think about like toxic, you know, the idea of toxic positivity is something I've been looking at a lot lately. Yeah. And yeah, this yeah, yeah. thing that we are, you know, we have to, it's like, oh, if I'm not fine, then people won't want to engage with me because there's baggage there, there's stuff. But, yeah. you know, we, we are all, we are above all human and that human and the humanity, our humanity involves the full range of experience and you know, it's a light, look, it's uh, hills and valleys and the hills yeah. are, and it's great climbing up the hill and it sucks being in the valley or it can be tough to be in the valley, but you know, keep walking through the valley and you'll start climbing a hill again. Exactly. I almost just don't accept the word fine anymore. I like wanna tear that off and be like, how are you really feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Although some, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's an accurate word. Sometimes yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm fine. I'm here. Mm. With the float, that cloud yeah. float, the fine, fluffy float. I love it. Well, the the next question is a little more uplifting. <laughs> it's what besides besides tonight for the tape here. What are you? And you're allowed to be excited about it. Of course, we are all excited about it. What are you excited about creating right now in your life or your art? Uh, let's oh. see. Um, <laughs> well, I, I've been very excited um, about what I've been uh, building on in my jazz choreography. I recently completed a, a training program. I did the Nan Giordano certification program in uh, Giordano jazz, which is a classic jazz dance uh, style of the 1950s, like, 60s, 70s from a famous teacher, Gus Giordano, and his daughter has really codified his technique. And I have been very inspired um, to incorporate what I wound up learning in this training. I did the training about a month ago into my own jazz mm. classes that I teach, into my jazz classes, um, into my class choreography as well. Uh, I teach jazz at Mark Morris Dance Center, uh, both to children and to adults. Adults can drop into class on Friday mornings at 11 a.m. if they are so inclined. <laughs> they can visit the Mark Morris Dance Center for more information. Um, but I've been excited about how that work has been shifting and changing, particularly with uh, the addition of this new studying that I did. Oh, um, super cool. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm sort of just as spring is coming and things are opening up again, I'm feeling much more energized. And now that I'm back in New York as well um, to just get back to some of my just get back to some of my physical training. Um, mm. It really makes a, it makes a huge difference for me emotionally when I'm more physically active. So, I mean, for example, I took a, I took a, an online yoga class for the first time in forever with a dear friend of mine, uh, Barbara Gentile, who's fabulous. And it was like, oh, right, God, my body needed that so badly. 
Um, I also have a standing date with, uh, or a, um, a standing 10 session pack with one of my circus coaches, a gentleman by the name of Ken Berkeley, who is a wizard. He is an absolutely astounding, not only coach, but like a wizard of a human being. He's been a very, and has been, I'm happy to say, a very dear friend. Um, him, I'm also currently getting certified in the Miller Voice Method, which is, uh, which is a vocal pedagogy um, that I've been a field that I've been connected with with for a bunch of years, but now I'm sort of getting officially certified by them, and it's wow. a, and that's something I, um, I very much believe in that work. It's things like you know, it's a I guess a lot of what I'm excited about at the moment is who I'm in contact with and who I'm just in conversation with about what it is to be creative. Um, mm. One of the, you know, uh, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of things. It's things like that. Uh, you know, there are, you know, I have, you know, ideas for pieces are percolating and those will come out in various forms. But a lot of it is, for example, um, one of the, really nice things that happened to me over the pandemic was I got back in touch with uh, one of my professors from Del Arte, um, an wow. amazing teacher. His name is Rodlin Foreman. He's a, a, with a storied career as a clown, among other things. And just to be in regular friendship conversation with him has been so incredibly inspiring. And, um, and I, I think for me, it's the space created by the pandemic really put a lot of my personal relationships into focus and being in, you know, you know, who are the people who really, whose perspectives really resonate and inspire you. And I think, so I suppose at the moment, I'm excited to be inspired by those people. Wonderful. I, I'm finding this exchange very inspiring and always Always surprising. Like I, I've experienced your incredible classes, Avi. I'm meeting you for the first time, Jeff. And like I've touched on before with other guests, there's just a language between us that exists because of our creative essence. And that's really, really special to share. So thank you for that. I've realized we got, we've gone quite a bit over time and I want to be so mindful of your time. Thank you. Thank you both. Is there anything you want to say to podcast listeners? Any sign off? I mean, it's been a marvelous, marvelous discussion. Thank you for this. I suppose if you just want to learn more, you can look me up on my personal website, which is just asuleen.com. A-S-U-L-E-E-N.com. Yay! And I'll have that in the show notes. Um, yeah, you can you can visit my personal website, uh, Jeffrey Michael Rob, all one word, dot com. And, and I will have that in the show notes too. And we all so look forward to listening to tonight with the tapir and learn more about tapirs. <laughs> Seriously, not sure how much you'll actually learn from our show, but hopefully it'll be amusing. A little bit, I think. You know, we I do, think we do talk about tapirs. It's true. It's true. You learn. You learn. <laughs> And to see it evolve over time. Thank you for inviting us into your process and for being here and sharing your time and energy. We were so grateful. Thank you both so much.
Thank you for having Excellent. us. A real treat. Yeah. yeah, this was this was wonderful. It was great to to discuss all of this stuff today. Thank you. Yay. Okay. Bye everyone. We'll see you next time. Mwah! Thank you so much for joining me and pressing play on yourself today. If this episode resonated with you, be sure to share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes. We are building the ensemble, so the more people who see it, the more rich and diverse our collective will be. If you're looking for extra inspiration, come find me on Instagram, at Serabanda. I am so eager to connect, and I'll be ready with a new task for us to explore next week. In the meantime, enjoy the process. Just remember to lead with your wish.